Of Yahweh, the opportunity that you've presented yet again. And who this may be for, I don't know. It might be just for me, but you're having me to share this in your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Ave Yahweh Aman. Aman. Paraklitos Aman. So, worthy of praise is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I came and sitting at my desk to study again more, and uh, the Holy Spirit keeps tugging at me for this, and and not exactly sure what, um, unless it's regarding what he already knows is going on in my heart, my mind, and what others need to be aware of. Um, you know that the scriptures talk about plastering and whitewashing and things that are done a certain way. And when the Pharisees came and started belittling the disciples because they were, first of all, it was, they were picking corn and weren't supposed to do that. And then Jesus tried to explain to them about their being hungry and that it was okay and and uh, the disciples were unsure of what to do, but Jesus said, hey, you do the way I tell you to do it, and I told you that it was okay. And you have to remember that many of the rules that were presented to the people in the cities and the villages and to these, many of the rules that were brought up by the Pharisees were verbal rules. None of these were in Torah. None of them were scriptural. And none of them came from God. They made up the rules because that made them in control, so they believed, and made them to have sovereignty over the people, which they really liked, um, but it didn't mean that they were in charge. And Jesus gave them a response when they were talking about and Jesus was telling them how concerned they are with everything on the outside and how their buildings and temples are all beautiful and whitewashed and and yet they're built with untested plasters. Well, what does that mean? That means that they're not going to stand the test of time. The appearance is only outward. What is inside is not of import to them. They're only concerned with what it looks like. And if you notice, this is very applicable to them because they always ran around in costumes. And I'm going to relate that to our present day because we have a tendency to use the word hero very loosely. And we have football heroes, basketball heroes, uh, baseball heroes, but they all wear spandex. And they chase around funny-shaped balls. And they do things that people pay exorbitant amount of monies to come and watch. Except the real heroes, the ones that sacrifice for this country and make it possible that all these individuals can go and enjoy these games and all these sports activities. Um, many come back missing limbs. They've already missed birthdays and recitals and even births of their children or 
they don't come back at all. Or when they do, they return to this country in what is called an angel flight. Not a freedom flight. And the difference being that you have military folks that will understand what I'm talking about. You have a freedom flight, which is bringing them back to this country. And when they come back on this so-called freedom flight, they come back to a country and they have missing limbs or they're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of their life or they have to be hospitalized for a period of time for recuperation. And then those that come back on an angel flight, this is an aircraft that are filled with oblong boxes covered with flags. And they that sleep will not wake up when the plane lands. And their families only have a stone to visit and remember them. I am touched by this because of uh, what I'm sharing with you. Um, it has to do with hypocrisy, brothers and sisters, hypocrisy. And what um, Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees was their hypocrisy. They are concerned only what shows on the outside of the building and they're not concerned with what's going on in the inside. And he likens their body to that same thing. They like to they like to walk around in these uniforms, which is what I, I started talking about, the sports heroes. So the Pharisees do the same thing. They're not true. They're not genuine. And for those that call these sport people heroes really now there were some that left the sports and they went and served the country and there were a number that didn't come back they died serving the country because they did what they felt was really important you have one in particular went and joined the <clears throat> special forces he left football he was a very prominent player and he went to the military and he was killed. Never returned to play again. And real heroes wear dog tags. They don't wear spandex. <coughs> okay, enough of that. The point being that the Pharisees did similar. They like to wear these, um, I'll call them costumes, because they wanted to stand out in the crowd they didn't want to, they didn't blend in. They didn't want to blend in. They didn't want to be of the people, by the people, and for the people, which is what they're supposed to be. And this is a thing that Jesus tried to get them to realize and understand. And they refused to listen. They liked to wear these trappings that were long robes, headdresses, stood out, and then they wore their little shawl, which was part of, Scripture, but they took it, I think, to a step f further than what it needed to be. And this is what many do that claim to be. I, I shared with you that pervert that was running around on the stage, and he had this, 
I guess he was trying to do the same thing, but it, it wasn't even any, and there was no wind, no breeze, there was no Holy Spirit blowing through like a mighty wind or anything. And he was just, you could see that he was tossing it with his hands. So it looked like it was being blown in the wind that he was parading up and down the step, declaring that the word of God, the infallible word of God, the truth was not true. And he was going to rewrite it and correct that. Interesting, he's kind of disappeared. Don't see or hear anything from him anymore at all. As with the other that pronounced that same thing, that he was going to call God down. And he was in charge of his ministry. And no one need to talk against that because he was going to tell God what to do. Well, I'm thinking God decided otherwise. And believing God decided otherwise. See, it's God's will. And God is sovereign, not these individuals that claim this. So the Pharisees ran around with all these high headdresses and the scarves and all these things so people could see them when they were walking through the crowd. And they would stand back. They'd pull back. They'd open up the crowd. It was almost as if the flood was being pulled back by special gates. And, and they could just walk through. And they had this look of... I could almost see them, and sometimes I do when I'm sleeping. They have such a looking down their nose, and they're, uh, it's terrible. They're supposed to be taking care of the people, and Jesus talked about it, and we're going to go back and visit the, the Good Samaritan thing again. You remember that the man was attacked, left to die. The priest of the temple came and walked by, but they walked on the other side of the road, so they wouldn't come near him and be declared unclean. He had Levites who were supposed to be in charge of taking care of the temple and the synagogue. And the, so when people came, everything was in order for them. Basically, they were special janitors. They did special thing, other things. They took care of the altar and, and other things that were inside. But they weren't concerned about the people. And they stepped around this person, <coughs> pardon me, who needed their help, who we are supposed to reach out and help, but they stepped around so that they wouldn't be declared unclean. And their concern was about themselves more than anyone else. And this is one of the things that Jesus tried to get them to understand. They didn't get it. They totally didn't get it. They refused to listen. So there's some scriptures that I'm going to go to that are very specific about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check one here on my way. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, gotta, uh, I need to check on this because I've not... I want to double check and make sure that what's uh, being stated... And um, make sure that I'm sharing correctly with you. And anyway, disregard that because I just read it and it's not relevant to what I'm talking about. <coughs> I apologize for that. 
But we're going to go back and we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, if you remember, is a very powerful prophet of God. And I've shared these things um, in, and this is actually very relative. I, I, you go back to Ezekiel, we're going to go in 34, and God has directed that Ezekiel prophesy in Ezekiel in uh, chapter 34, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, and should not the shepherds feed the flock? What is God talking about through Ezekiel? And he came and he prophesied to the nation of Israel. Well, exactly what Ezekiel is talking about, remember I've shared this with you before, that the pastors or the leaders of the church, the the um, they are called angels of the church, as John had, uh, as Jesus had John to write in his letters to the church, seven churches, while he was on the island of Patmos, which is a very very small island. I forgot how small and tiny it is. It's really small and very exclusive. And they thought that that uh, he was alone out there, but actually angels came and ministered to him, and Jesus came and visited, and he wrote letters to the angels of the churches, the seven churches, and pastors, elder leaders of the church are called angels, they're called prophets, they're called um, angels or shepherds. And Jesus also talks about the hireling shepherds, that you need to be cautious with them. Well, what Ezekiel is talking about is exactly that thing. He's reminding the nation of Israel, and this is a very specific to the shepherds, and he's not talking about those that are taking care of the, the animals that go out there that they cut and get and comb wool and, and they even eat them, but that's not what he's talking about. Ezekiel's talking about the shepherds that do not lead the flock as they are, supposed to. And he talks about their lacking their care and compassion for the flock, which are the people. And the Lord is telling Ezekiel, we can find this in 34, 6. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. None of those that were supposed to be ministering to the people, they didn't care anything about them. They didn't go to look. Remember what Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and he will always lead the 99 to come and seek the one, the one that is lost. And this is in his parabolic speech with the prodigal son, the one that leaves the house. He leaves the flock. He goes astray. But when he comes back, there's a great rejoicing in all of that, a great rejoicing in the fact that he's come back. So Ezekiel 34 is a very, very powerful chapter and please read it and understand and read it with spiritual eyesight and listen to the Spirit talk to you because Ezekiel is not talking about those that are tending the flocks, the ewes, and the He's talking about those that are leading his flock, God's flock. We are the sheep 
of his flock. We are his sheep. Jesus talks about this. We are his sheep. In the book of John, he tells us that we are his sheep and we should know his voice. My sheep hear and know my voice. Yes, we should. And when he speaks, we should listen. Ezekiel 34 is very important. And also, again, I share with you that Ezekiel is a very, very powerful prophet of God. And much of what he brings is indeed straight from God, straight to the people, and they need to heed what he says because he speaks power and he speaks truth. So we're going to go to Ezekiel, <coughs> pardon me, 22 and 28. Oh, this is going to get you all puzzled. Ah, this is exactly what I was looking for. The Holy Spirit brought me straight to what I was looking for, and I couldn't remember the specific scripture, and here it is. So, thank you. Prakletus ama. Remember, I shared with you that that word aman means praiseworthy or worthy of praise. Amen means so be it. Aman means praiseworthy. And yes, the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit are indeed praiseworthy. So here comes this scripture that I was looking for or trying to remember and could not. So Ezekiel 22 and 28. And this is speaking directly to the false teachings to the nation. And you'll understand because I'm going to clarify everything so you're not confused. And again, he's testifying to the nation. And oftentimes you will find when prophets are given word that they talk to, uh, they speak as to a person. And they often refer to the nation as her. No, don't get all, don't get your knickers all twisted and getting a bunch about it because they do that because the nation is the children, carrying the children, tending the children, supposed to be nurturing the children, which is what mothers generally do. So oftentimes they are spoken of in the feminine when you read scriptures. <coughs> Pardon me. So in Ezekiel twenty two twenty eight again they're they're um, I'm going to back up a little bit though because this is also reference and we find this in uh, Luke and in John where Jesus testifies to the false teachings and 
the liars that are wandering like ravening wolves, seeking to devour the flock or scatter the flock. So I'm going to go back here. Um, so I'm going to go to uh, Ezekiel 22 and verse 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood, to destroy souls, and to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have dashed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. What does that mean? Well, that means there's a lot of deceit, a lot of lies and things that are going on by those that are supposed to be guiding the flock, leading the flock, and they're not. They're lying. They're deceiving. What does it mean, untempered mortar? Well, that means that when you put it to the stone and it's supposed to hold, it does not hold and it will crumble and fall. It's untested. And what they used to do in the days when they would, would build walls and buildings They would test the temperance of the mortar. Was it going to hold? Was it going to be like the glue that it's supposed to be? Or is it going to be falling apart? As what this is testimony to is the false teachings, the lies and the deceit that are being proffered to the people. Plastered that has not been tempered or untempered mortar, because it's not going to hold. It's going to fall apart. And they don't care. They just put it up there for appearance. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was, um, they call it whitewashing. Okay, there's that's another term for it, is when they take plaster, and it's just very liquefied. It's not going to hold or glue anything, <laughs> or hold anything together, pardon me. Um, but it's very bright white. And from a distance, it looks almost like white marble. And that's what their concern is, that whitewashing of things to appear to be what they are not. This is what the point that Jesus was trying to make with the Pharisees. And this is the point that he's making with this. And what I'm explaining to the, the untried plaster or the whitewashing effect that it would have, false teaching, um, we find further... In Ezekiel, again, I like Ezekiel. Ezekiel, God took Ezekiel to do some very cool things. He prophesied to the valley of dry bones when the nation was so, they just, they weren't listening to God. They weren't doing what God was telling them to do. And every time they turned around and God was getting them direction to go and fortify them, oh, we're just so wore out. We're just, we, we just don't have the hope, Father. We just, we've given up. And he commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. And that's what God was talking about. 
and what Ezekiel wrote about. He was talking about they're giving up their spirit. They're giving up their hope. They're giving up anything they have. And they just became this valley of dry bones. The whole valley was full of dry bones, disjointed and a part of everything. And they had given up their hope and anything they had concerning. They were felt surrounded. They felt to give up. And this is what Paul was writing to the church in Rome about and several other churches. They were getting ready to give up and he didn't want them to do that. So Ezekiel prophesied to the valley of the dry bones. And then when he was prophesying and teaching to them, they started listening. They started painting and he saw the sinew and everything come back on the dry bones in his vision. He saw it happening. So in testifying the truth and the word of God to them that they were fortified with strength and came up and then God breathed into them and they were alive. A mighty army, alive. Because they took the word of God. They took his truth. They listened. Brothers and sisters, this is what we need to be. We need to be an army. And for those that don't like to use the term, well, you know my saying, I don't care. Because that's what we are. We are a large host. An army's got nothing militaristic to do about it, except that God tells us to wear the full armor so that we are protected. When we go out, we share. We don't have to go out swinging on people and get all agitated and be um, aggressive and all with them. That's not what sharing and being in his army is about. It's just sharing the truth and his strength and sharing with people so that they will be accepting of Jesus Christ as his only begotten son, that they have an opportunity to be redeemed, to be saved and spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven, which is what we are to do to share his words. So in Ezekiel 13, and we're going to go to verse 15. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall, and upon them have daubed it with untempered mortar, and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. Well, what does that mean? That's talking about false testimony again. They have daubed it with untempered mortar. They haven't tried it. They don't even know that it's true, but they're saying that they are doing the will of God, but it's not. God didn't send them. They're just saying that. And this is something else that is shared elsewhere in the Bible, that they came saying that they are sent of God, but not sent of God. Lying and deceitful. And they testify to being sent of God in order to do that. They were no more sent from God. Then you get some fellow that's just wandering around, basically doing nothing, and then comes up and starts going out and saying all these things. This is why when... Um, it's very specific in the scripture, and I'm going to share this with you now because we've, we've actually been discussing this in class. Um... Anyone can prophesy, and you don't have to have a certain special certificate for it. Uh, the only thing that you need to have is spiritual hearing, and you need to listen to specifically what God is directing you to do. And when the Holy Spirit tells you to go do something, you don't quash the Spirit. You don't quench the Spirit and decide that you're going to go do something different. When the Spirit calls you to do it, you go and do it. You respond. 
You don't make a big production about it. You don't sound the shafar. Ba, 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 here comes Raven. He's going to prophesy of God. Well, it doesn't work that way. What you need to do is you just need to speak truth. And if it's something specific, you just come up to the person, maybe a stranger, they may have a certain item of clothing that God described to you in his word so that you know who you're looking for. Or they may even get, he might give you their name. That's happened before. And you just politely excuse it. Excuse me, can we speak for a moment? I have something I'd like to share with you. That's how you present the prophecy. You don't say, God sent me to find you, Brother John, because I have a word from God. Well, that's not a good way to do that. Number one, God doesn't like you to do that because then you're vaunting yourself. And it also can be frightening sometimes to individuals. So be cautious, be concerned, but do it the way God wants you to do it. Don't make yourself something more important than what you are. And it's very important that you do as God tells you to do. And anyone can prophesy. You don't have to have a special certificate. It's good to get, if you have guidance and a mentor. That's, that's a good thing. But anyone can prophesy. And to prophesy, you just need to really pay attention to God when he talks to you. And, <laughs> wow, the uh, Holy Spirit just had me park on this marker as for something else, but this is, <clears throat> Pardon me. Jesus is speaking. And you can find this in Matthew 15. Matthew 15. And he's he's rebuking the Pharisees because they were They were complaining because the disciples didn't wash their hands. And they were talking about the tradition of the elders, how they, they, they transgress against that, for they didn't wash their hands when they eat bread. And Jesus gets kind of tired of the things that they bring up, actually. And I could see that Jesus just... And this is why when he went to... Um, Lazarus and others and they were all there wailing and crying and all this stuff and, and doing all this stuff and you see in the scripture that Jesus groaned can you imagine that he actually did that out loud and he probably rolled his eyes because all this hypocrisy all this fake and everything that they do so that other people see what they do and see what they're about but they don't mean anything it's not heartfelt and they're talking about how bad it is that the disciples, they didn't even wash their hands when they went to eat. And here's what Jesus responds to them. Actually, I'm going to go back to uh, verse 6. 
I should go back farther because I don't want you all to be confused. Um, actually, we're going to go back. So when they were talking about that, we're going to go back to 15 verse 3. Because this is right after they start belittling the disciples. And Jesus answered them and said to them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Ah, understand that. So by their verbal commands and by their verbal tradition, and not by anything scriptural, by any way, shape, or form, but they just decide that they speak with their mouth and everyone is supposed to do it because they say it. This is the point that Jesus is making here. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Whoa. That's turning completely upside down the commandment of God. So honor thy father and thy mother. And they just turn it upside down by their verbalizing and saying that you remind your mother and father that if it wasn't for you, that they wouldn't be. No, they gave you a house. They gave you food. They provided you clothing and even tried to help you get through school or provided you with schooling. All these things that they provided for you. And yet you have the audacity to tell your parent. And that happens today as it did then. And it was happening then. So nothing has changed. How is it not relevant? The scriptures is relevant today as it was then. So you have children that are telling their parents that if it wasn't for them, their parents wouldn't be in existence. Whoa, how threatening is that? That's very threatening. And it's something that shouldn't even be mouthed by children that if they are absolutely at all respectful to their parents, it's something that shouldn't even be mouthed. And honor, and further reading in verse 6, and honor not his father or his mother. He shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of non-effect by your tradition. Again, by their verbalizing, by their saying, they have taken the word of God and made the commandment of God basically non-existent because they're saying that what they say is more important. Jesus is calling these out, these Pharisees, he's calling them out and he's calling them out hard. And they don't like the truth because that's all Jesus is speaking. And Jesus isn't really being confrontational, he's just speaking truth. Well, they have a problem with truth because they don't understand it. And remember, he's talked to them and chastised them before about it. He said, you don't understand the truth. You say you know the truth, but you don't know the truth because you wouldn't know the truth if it came up and bit you like the viperous snake you are. You don't speak truth because you speak the language of your father and your father is indeed the devil. So of course you don't understand what I'm telling you. You have questions about the parables I share because you don't lean in and listen to the word of God. You don't seek the Holy Spirit. You have questions and you decide that you don't want to hear it. Now, that's not saying that all Pharisees are bad. You had Nicodemus and you had some of his students that were following him and they actually wanted to lean in and hear what Jesus was saying because they had questions. They were questioning everything that they had been taught because it didn't seem to fit. They, they were realizing that it was only verbal presentation. It wasn't actual, it wasn't actual existence. 
that this mystery that Jesus brought forth to them is much more than they could ever even imagine. Nicodemus and his students, they tried to follow this and pay attention to it. And here's where it gets a little heavy duty, so hang on, pull your seatbelts tight, keep your hands and arms inside the car for your safety. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Oh, that's pretty potent there, brothers and sisters. If you don't think so, then reread it and hang on and ask the Holy Spirit to come because he's going to, he might grab you by the shoulders and shake you a little bit. Jesus telling these, and that, this is basically when John the baptizer calls them out and tells them that they are like vipers. They became more offended by the fact that John called them vipers than the fact that they weren't even listening to, to the truth. They weren't listening to what he was saying. They were more concerned about the uh, analogy of their being relative to vipers. But And then they brought that up. Vipers, they, they lie for it. They, they eat their way out of their mothers. Well, that offended them more than the truth. And they didn't question their own actions because they had decided that what they were saying was a higher doctrine. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And then he came and he taught the people. Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Jesus has told us and warned us that the tongue is like a two-edged sword. And remember, I've shared that with you before, is that the two-edged sword was that it's kind of a short sword, and the Romans really liked it. And the Roman army, they were they were a formidable foe and they like to get in close up and they only had armor plating in the front they had nothing in the back because their their idea was that if you got speared in the back or you got shot in the back it's because you were running away from the battle you were a coward you were deserting your fellow soldiers And so Jesus' analogy to the tongue being like a two-edged sword. The Romans liked that little two-edged sword because they got in close. And sometimes they could, you know, and the, the buckler shield, which they use very often for that close-in fighting, I shared with you, you can, you, have, uh, you can put your arm through a strap and hold on to the handle, and then you can swing it around every close. And, and actually, you can move it away and then grab onto the enemy because your hand is still free and then you can use a two-headed sword to do whatever you got to do. And so this took place in the battlefield a lot. So the two-headed sword, it wounded going in and it wounded coming out. And they had a technique that they used for this. So you have to be guarded in what you say and how you say it 
if it's truth and in righteousness, don't be apologetic. And don't apologize for something that comes straight from the scripture. Don't apologize for the word of God and the truth being told. And you say, well, I got to apologize because it might offend somebody. Well, that's too bad and so sad. If they're looking to be offended by truth, then the truth isn't in them anyway. And it wouldn't matter if you spoke the truth because they'd find a reason to be offended by it. Trust me in this because it happens quite often. Even if you speak truth, they find a reason to be offended by the truth. And here's the thing. I've shared this with you before, and I'm going to tell you again. I will always share truth with you. I will not make things up so that it makes me appear to be something that I am not or better than what I am because I am a servant of my Lord God Almighty, sovereign Lord God, and he has provided this opportunity for me. He, I am a conduit for God's word, and I am blessed by merely being able to do this thing that he has called me to do. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and I love it because it's his word, his truth, not mine. This isn't for me. And if you pay attention, if you've been paying attention to and been with me for any length of time, you'll see that my name is completely off this. When I first started on doing the platform, when God first allowed me to have this, I called it Haven of Truth by Raven. And then I put my name on there and I thought, man, that's very cool. I'm going to be, I'm a, I'm going to be somebody. Well, guess what? I am already somebody. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. When I get to heaven and I finish this existence here on this plane of existence, I'm going to have a golden crown. I'm going to live in heaven. I'm going to be with my loved ones. I'm going to be able to talk to Billy Graham and, and uh, Martin Luther King. I'm going to be able to share time and spend time with my Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I'm going to be able to be and visit with God. And I'm going to be wandering in heaven with, with the rest of the heavenly host. And I'm going to have all my loved ones are going to be all around. I'm going to have people that I've never even seen. My child that is taken from this plane of existence, I never met. I am going to meet her. I'm going to know her and she's going to know who I am. That's because God is God, Abba Yahweh. So, brothers and sisters, that's his truth, only his truth, and nothing but the truth. Brothers and sisters, this is God's haven. This is a, this is a place where you can find truth. And you know that a haven is a, it's a respite. It's someplace where you can come and find shelter. So you have all this stuff that's going on out in the world. Come to God's haven. And that time is spent with him. If you make the time to be in haven with him, he will take time to visit with you there, abide with you and make you feel so warm, make you feel so loved and everything else just seems to melt away. In your mind's eye, it just goes away. It does, he makes it disappear. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in every day. Be blessed.